The Cups and Cakes Network presents Inside the Artist Studio. The interview you're about to hear was originally recorded December 5th, 2018. To find out more about Cups and Cakes, visit them at cupsandcakespod.com. That's cups, the letter N, cakespod.com. What you're about to hear may contain filthy language and adult content. Listener discretion is advised. Hi everyone, thanks for tuning in to another episode of Inside the Artist Studio. Today we have for you an interview with Danielle Knibby that was done by Sean Newton. Knibby is a fantastic country-slash-folk singer-songwriter who is prepping her sophomore album for release in March. Without further ado, please enjoy Sean's interview with Danielle Knibby and her bandmates Connor Walsh and Bryn Bessie. Okay, well, uh, welcome to the uh, Cups and Cakes podcast here. We have uh, Danielle Knibby with us in today and her fantastic trio. Uh, do you guys want to just introduce yourselves real quickly uh, on mic? Hey, I'm Connor Walsh. I play bass in the band. Hi, I'm Danielle Knibby. I sing and I play the guitar. I'm Bryn Bessie and I play the guitar and I also sing. Cool. So we're actually recording this here at uh, the new, basically the studio at uh, the new McEwen building here. Uh, you guys are all McEwen folks, right? Yep. We are. Not in this fancy building, though. No. Class of 2011. That's I was right. in 2012. In 2012 as well. I just couldn't get enough. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Were you, so I, because I know you were Daniel. You were uh, composition and recording. Were you guys performance or? Yeah. Bryn and I were both in the performance stream. Okay. And then all after went to U of T, right? No, actually. Oh, okay. Um, I went to U of T uh, immediately after right. graduating from Grand McEwen. I did nothing. <laughs> no, I moved to Toronto, but I didn't do any more schooling after gotcha. after Grant McEwen. And uh, yeah, I started at Humber College in 2012 and graduated right. 2016. Okay, cool. So I guess yeah, you guys all then in some way or another probably met in Edmonton. Yes, that's right. I also feel like we've experienced all of the contemporary music programs in Canada, basically. <laughs> Just <laughs> none sampled of us have been everything. To York. No, that's true. None, none of us have been to York. Yeah. They're no good anyway. No. <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> I'm just saying you're not interviewing any York graduates right no. now. I actually played in a York uh, class one time in the. Uh, so basically, I'm a professor at York. So <laughs> there you go. Yeah, that's Loosely. all it takes. Yeah. Loose, a loose, very part-time professor at York. Yeah. So did this project kind of start then, like here, or did it start basically when you guys all kind of went to Toronto? Um, well, we were just talking about this at the show the other day. Bryn, or Connor had already moved to Toronto. He and I were dating, and we'd done a year of long distance. And I'd always wanted to go back to Toronto because I was born in Ontario. Okay. Uh, and Bryn was going out for Humber, and my brother was going to Toronto for school, and I decided I would go as well. Um, and they were literally the two people I knew the best in Toronto. So I thought, we should start a band. And so we did. And so we, we started playing together a little bit before we moved, but um, mostly everything came together when we already lived in Toronto. Uh, and Brynn and I were roommates, so that made rehearsal really easy. Okay. Uh, yeah, so it was a weird little kind of experiment before we left of kind of seeing what we could do with three people and working on three-part harmonies and seeing if we sounded good singing together. And I 
think it turned out okay. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah, Connor and I had played together in a number of different groups, like, while we were going to school at Grant Mac. Right. Um, we would always kind of get called together for, you know, different people's juries or coffee houses. For sure, yeah. And uh, that was great. And Connor and Danielle were actually in Alan Gilliland's showcase band together. So we'd had a bit of playing experience together, but hadn't done any of Danielle's compositions until basically like right like weeks before we moved to toronto yeah Yeah, danielle had her own band here and so she had no need for us but then when we were all moving all of a sudden we were useful yeah all (laughs) of a sudden all of a sudden i was all alone i would like to point out that we were in alan gilliland's favorite showcase band i mean he never like used those words you're just assuming but i could just tell from the sparkle in his eyes that we were his favorite. Yeah, and I mean, he's not going to hear this, so he may as well say Oh, it. <laughs> he's going to hear it. I'm going to tell him about it now. <laughs> Alan, we miss you. Yeah, we do miss Alan. He's great. Uh, Call us. Yeah. <laughs> so how do you reconcile that kind of music student background with uh, kind of a decision to play country, I guess, which is generally viewed as like uh, less technically demanding, I guess? It's interesting because I think what our goal has always been was to try and have something of all the different elements of a song that appeals to everyone. So we try, like I usually spend a lot of time writing lyrics and that's what I come to the project with. I usually bring in the lyrics and the melody and then I rely quite heavily on these guys to bring in um, some harmonic changes or some interesting arrangement ideas or some cool rhythmic ideas because Uh, A good song is a good song, I feel like, regardless of genre. And and we try really hard to make sure that we're not phoning anything in and uh, that we're not... I think, regardless of genre, it's really easy to... Like, I find with jazz music, quite often, the lyrics are the last thing that somebody thinks about. And with country music, sometimes the chord structures are quite simple all the way through. And so it's been interesting with all our different backgrounds and all of our different um, expertises to kind of rely on each other to, to bring all the elements. So we try really hard to make some complex decisions every once in a while in terms of um, keeping things challenging and interesting and, and different for the listener. Mm-hmm. Say, does that if make the sense? Song if the song suggests it, think, it. Yeah, we're not trying. We're, yeah, yeah. We've gotten a lot better at just like figuring out the moments that need to push like that. For sure. And I always, I always think like about... Um, like Patsy Cline's recordings and how big the jazz influence is there yeah, and how much chromaticism is in that music and how dense some of the chords can be, although, you know, ostensibly you would call it country music. Right. Yeah, like Crazy is a is a beautifully written song with mm-hmm. like a very, it sounds like a jazz standard in, in a lot of ways, melodically, I would say, mm-hmm. in certain parts. So and harmonically, and it's like, and those, I think, you know, those things... Because those players were playing all those different styles of music. Right. I think it it was easy to kind of float between those things and borrow little bits. Yeah, and I think it's like a a common misconception that country music can't handle those kind of... Like, the best country songs are ones where they have those interesting... um, like diversions from the simple chord structure but you don't notice them and right. that's that's what we try and go for is to insert an interesting chord or an interesting melodic idea that feels really natural but if you are a music student <laughs> you're kind of like oh they did something a little spicy there so we try and we try and 
um, push the boundaries of what's expected from country music when we can. And and our stuff, this new album that we're putting out is a lot of it's all over the place, I feel like, in terms of genre. Although I always feel that way and then I show it to people and they're like, oh, you made a country record. <laughs> so maybe I just don't. <laughs> maybe for me, out there is still country. Uh, so both both the singles that came out recently are from that album, right? Yes, yeah. Okay, because yeah, like listening to those, even there's some instrumentation stuff that doesn't show up as much on like the album before that. Mm-hmm. Just like organ and stuff is pretty mm-hmm. prominent in a couple of those tracks. So when you're putting those arrangements together, are you thinking about genre? I think our main goal is always just to serve the song. Like I think for the album, we went to the Banff Center for two weeks to do uh to do some pre-production and we had a whole room to ourselves and we just made bed tracks and tried a bunch of different things but I think for me genre is something that I'll let other people decide when they listen to it and for me we're kind of like I know what we like and aesthetically we kind of all listen to a lot of like folk singer songwriters and 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 so those influences are there but for this album we kind of just played through the songs and we're like what what does this need and what would make this feel the most powerful and and not worry too too much because I think uh yeah I think genre is so loose country is such a big umbrella and folk is such a big umbrella yeah and in this band we've been playing together for a long time and there are certain things that we tend to gravitate towards and so I think there's not a whole lot of danger of it being like really all over the map like there is a center to what we do that kind of remains consistent so I think at least for myself wasn't really thinking about that too much we were just exploring seeing what felt right and kind of trusting that in the end it would somewhat tie together Mm -hmm. for sure I tend to think in like oppositional textures okay when i'm like uh arranging things or trying to figure out like what is another instrument that could go on this like if you have a warm sound find a cold sound if you have something that's fairly smooth find something that's kind of jagged and i feel like you know keeping those oppositions in mind tends to help push things forward and makes you know decision making easier right and and it is really true like when we made this record there were some decisions that we made that I was like oh my goodness this is so out there and so crazy and then you listen back to it in the context of everything else and you're like oh it's totally normal it just felt weird because we were pushing ourselves but mm-hmm. uh, yeah as Connor was saying I think we've never been in a situation where we've pushed ourselves so far that we're like people are not gonna expect this it's pretty it's still pretty pretty safe so did most of the writing happen at the Banff Center? So most of the writing happened, I did, I keep going to the BAM Center, I'm never going to leave. Uh, I went in 2017 for the singer-songwriter residency, the first one that they put on. Um, and I had a couple songs for the album either finished or half written when I went. And so I think half the songs for the album were written there and the other half were finished there. So it was very, very much written at the BAM Center. And then I brought them back and the three of us kind of worked on them together and, and polished them up and... But yeah, so it's a very, very Banff-centric album. So did you guys kind of meticulously arrange everything, or did you uh, have players in and kind of just let them uh, do as they please, I guess? We got very lucky. So we are friends with Chris Pruden, who I think is one of the best keyboard players in Canada. And uh, we had a lot of moments where like, what should we do with the keyboard here? And we're like, we'll just make Chris play. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> we brought Chris in for like and 
it was supposed to be like a four hour day and he, I think he played piano for like eight hours straight and we just kept being like now play some organ now do this and at one point he was like I need a bit of a break and we're like that's fine let's go get like some coffee or whatever and then as we were waiting for someone else from the studio I heard Chris playing the piano that was in the lobby of the building that we're in so I don't think he knows <laughs> how to take a break yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, so so it was a combination of like we knew where he wanted him to play and it was the same with drums we had some we had some very specific ideas uh, for drums um, Bryn's a drummer and so he was kind of uh, while we were in, at the BAM Center um, coming up with the grooves that we wanted and, and right. some ideas for that uh, but our drummer Robin and both of these guys played on our last album as well okay uh, Robin's also amazing and so I we try to walk the line I think of being clear and not throwing people into the middle of it being like go crazy but also um relying on other people's sensibilities as well like I feel like if you hire good musicians who are very good at their instruments it's a lot easier to be like this is what we're thinking uh let's try it and then let's see if you have any notes because you play this instrument and you're very good <laughs> so that's what we tried to do yeah for sure mm -hmm. yeah you kind of want to build a in the arrangement you want to build a space where their creativity can can kind of flourish and like you know maybe that's only having a few you know notated things right. or like giving them like a register being like you've got kind of like maybe stay up in the higher part of the piano don't get in the way of the guitars that are down lower and right. I think if you can give people those kinds of constraints they will bring something to it that you could have never conceived of and you'll get a better thing for sure you might find some magic in it that you wouldn't have been able to write on your own so uh has any of that been done with an eye towards uh like expanding a live show beyond just kind of three people yeah so we're hoping so the album comes out in march okay uh and what i'm hoping to do i'm trying to figure out funding and how we're going to make it work i'm hoping to bring we're going to do the release show here in edmonton okay and i'm hoping to bring robin and chris out for the first like week of shows because it'll be like um edmonton calgary regina saskatoon right. we're going to try and do some bigger shows there uh so i'm hoping to bring them out because we've never gotten to tour with a drummer i'm a little terrified but not that drummers are bad <laughs> just that they take up a lot of room um uh so we're hoping to do some touring as a five piece which would be amazing we just finished our third tour with just the three of us i think we can handle two more people now we've eased eased ourselves into it and then uh and then we'll probably do some bc dates with just the three of us because it's a lot cheaper gotcha and and both robin and chris are like make their home in Toronto. Right? Yeah, yeah. So they're both based in Toronto, uh, and we're all based in Toronto, but we're here a lot. Um, and it was really interesting. Robin was here for the Edmonton Folk Festival with Shakur Saida. Okay. And so was Chris, actually. So all five of us were here. We should have done a show. <laughs> well, you weren't here, but you could have been. Um, Bryn. <laughs> um, but uh, so yeah, it, I'm really hoping that that'll work out, and and I'm really lucky that they seem to like playing with me and they're pretty excited about coming out so um yeah we're really looking forward to it and uh we'll see i think it's gonna happen i've just decided <laughs> i've learned that a music career is a lot of like we'll just pay for it now and hope that it works out yeah it's just kind of force it's of a will. good strategy yeah. right i'm sure that's what they teach in business school yeah yeah, yeah why not yeah <laughs> pay that. now think later pay now Remember think later that, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah and that's how you manage your money that's right <laughs> Uh, so where did the record get recorded? Uh, 
half the album was recorded while we were at the Banff Center. So okay. about half the album is uh, either just the three of us or, or built on top of the three of us. So we did about six songs. Was it six, five or six songs at the Banff Center? Mm-hmm. Um, and then we came back to Toronto and we did the rest, which is interesting because the whole album, the new album is going to be called The Ribcage and the Heart. And so it's kind of got this dichotomy built into the title and built into the structure of the album. Um, and so it's very interesting to me that it was also recorded in two very different places. I feel like the whole um, the whole theme of the album just kind of has been building on top of itself and evolving and it's pretty pretty exciting. Yeah, about half of the songs are based on sort of the way that we play live. So like acoustic bass, acoustic guitar, electric guitar and three voices. And we did most of that stuff as live as possible in a big room at the Banff Center. Okay. And then the other half is sort of more full band sounds, building it in pieces in a studio in Toronto, laying down the drums and bass and kind of doing that sort of style of ground up building. Yeah, which is always exciting to me because I think in the modern day of recording, it's very easy to worry that your album will feel very sterile because you're doing everything separately and you have so much room to like go back and do more takes. And especially as like a vocalist, like the vocal delivery, it's very easy to get very particular. So it's very exciting for me to have so many songs on the album that are live. Um, and then some album, some songs that are that are done piecemeal just because I feel like it's a better representation of um, what we do live and and what to expect from me vocally I feel like I spend a lot of time (laughs) thinking about if I can deliver what's on the album live and so uh, yeah you never want to put out something that's too perfect (laughs) I want people to know what they're getting into uh, so in the process of kind of writing these songs, like talking about kind of like a conceptual kind of dichotomy of sorts, how much are you guys thinking about that kind of while you're putting it together as opposed to just kind of realizing that songs kind of group together in certain ways after you're finished? Yeah, it was really funny. So I, the, the title of the album comes from a song and I, I knew that I wanted to name the album The Ribcage and the Heart because I liked that line and I liked... Um, what it represented because it comes from a song that's about loss and it's just about that feeling that you get when you've lost someone where you just feel like it's somewhere inside and you can't access it um so i like that feeling because i'm an overly emotional person and i feel that feeling all the time um but then when i had we'd pared down the songs i had like 20 songs that we were choosing from we we narrowed it down to 11 tracks and then the more i thought about it we were going to go to the bam center and we were going to do two full weeks and i realized that there were there were all these couplets of songs that talked about the same subject from very different perspectives. So, well, not very different perspectives, with varying degrees of honesty and vulnerability. So the two that we released on the little EP, Infatuation, uh, there's Agony and there's Simple Love, and they both talk about the early stages of falling in love and the early stages of, um, you know, being obsessed with someone, basically. And Agony takes it, from like a very sarcastic, like tongue in cheek, oh ha ha ha, you ignore me and it's agony and whatever. Uh, Which is I think how I tend to deal with when I have a big crush on someone and I don't wanna be honest that I might actually care for someone whereas simple love is very vulnerable and talks about being afraid of being in love and, and the possible ramifications of that and not knowing how to deal with all those feelings. And so throughout the album, there's there's a topic and it's kind of approached with both those sides so we talk about mental illness and one of them is very aggressive and angry and the other one's very like 
this is the effect of mental illness on a family. This is the effect of mental illness on a soul, you know? And, and I think that's always fascinating. Again, counseling is great. And you spend a lot of time in counseling being like, why do I feel what I'm feeling? And so I'm always fascinated um, with the ways that we protect ourselves from our feelings and the way that we're defensive and deflective. And so that's kind of the overall theme of the album is being like, what does it sound like when you're afraid of what you're feeling or hiding what you're truly feeling? And what does it sound like when you're just like painfully vulnerable about it? Uh, and so we tried to represent both those sides of it um, throughout the album. And so we're going to release another couplet in January uh, called Insecurity. And it's two songs that deal with insecurity in relationships. Um, and again, there's a ribcage song and there's a heart song. And, and so the album, we're excited. When we went to the BAM Center, we tried to tie in the two songs with like a melodic theme or like a, what's it qual called? Like a quote, a melodic. Like a motif. A motif. Yeah, so we tried to tie the two together and just uh, kind of um, connect the songs very gently. We didn't want it to be too obvious. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, I'm really excited. We've never tried in the past. I've just been like, here are my songs. There's 10 of them. It's an album. And this one was a lot more, we were trying to be specific about what we were trying to say. And so, I mean, whether or not it's effective is up to the listener. But I'm very excited about what it kind of says and what it speaks to as, a, as an album. That was a very long explanation. <laughs> yeah, That's your whole 30-minute podcast yeah. right there. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Yeah, it was, it was kind of fun because we did, like, we wrote down all the titles of the songs and we were kind of like, after her, like, that's the one that's just about loss. It's It doesn't have a, a pair. And then we wrote down all the other ones and we're kind of like, what are ways that we can connect these through instruments or through melody ideas? Like, if you, maybe this is a, should I tell them where the the quote is? Sure. In Simple Love to. and yeah. Agony. Um, if you listen to the second instrumental section of simple love okay the chorus melody of agony is in there okay it's played on like a little like korg micro synth okay yeah, yeah and there are little moments like that across the record this is where you can tell we all went to music school <laughs> yeah but yeah i kind of like that stuff you know, yeah like uh you know, there are moments on, you know, records by Aoife Donovan or by Blake Mills where right. they'll reuse a, a fragment of melody or a, or a lyrical fragment. And I feel like that, as soon as I pick up on one of those, I'm like, oh, I'm like part of something. I got like a little deeper into that. So hopefully. It's also, yeah. It's also like very musical theater, the whole like reprise and like hearkening back to another song throughout the, to kind of enhance the story. And it's always interesting to me to think of what what it says to think of of the two songs together because um, you kind of need both in order to function you can't be open and vulnerable all the time but you also can't be deflective and ignorant of your own feelings all the time either so so how does that affect your decisions for track listing for the record we did toy with the idea of having them side by side like each pair of songs kind of in order and then we also toyed with having uh like a ribcage side a and then a heart side b and we kind of messed around with uh, all these ideas and none of them felt like they 
really flowed well as an album. It was like, yes, we're highlighting this sort of idea, but is someone actually going to want to listen to this in this order? Yeah. <laughs> and so then we decided that it was probably enough to have the songs you know exist in pairs and have little moments that point to each other and then just make the album flow in a nice way that takes you know you know has a nice arc and is pleasant to listen to yeah and it's funny because almost by accident we had a different order and then at the last minute we changed two songs and all of a sudden most of them are in pairs just kind of by accident there's a couple outliers that are kind of spread out but um but we we really wanted to make sure that it wasn't like you don't want to sacrifice the sound of the album for the theme. We didn't yeah, want to, like, yeah. this is not the hill we want to die on, you know? <laughs> so the theme was something that we wanted to be present for people that wanted to do some deeper listening, but also not so distracting that the quality of your listening experience suffered because we were putting all the fast songs in a row. Right. And uh, with that, we'll probably switch over to some rapid-fire questions here if you guys are up for that. Mm. I haven't let the basses talk at all. I'm sorry, Connor. I've been He's talking the, more than yeah, usual. He's, he's talk. <laughs> Normally, I just sit in the corner I've, and I've kind of observe. Yeah, that's he's, right. He's doing great. Good. Uh, excellent. Well, uh, all three of you can answer every one of these. Yes. Some of them are food related. <gasps> right off the bat, cake versus pie. Ooh, cake. Okay. I can't eat gluten anymore, but pie. That's it. <laughs> yeah, I guess we're going to end up in a lot of kind of like two against one situations. <laughs> yeah, that's probably. our whole life. Well, that's the, the classic <laughs> thing about Rush. Like, they, they wanted to keep it a three-piece because that's the smallest unit where you can have two against one. <laughs> Bet you didn't think Rush was going to come up. <laughs> <laughs> Especially not with that question. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, first car. Ooh, 98 Toyota Corolla. Silver. Okay. Love that thing. Uh, 1992 Jetta, and it was a death trap, but I loved it. A 1991 Honda Accord LX, I believe, which we called the Batmobile. Okay. It was the nicest one. The newest one. Yeah, yeah, yeah well, yours funny. lasted a long time. You were going to Grant Mack in that thing. Yeah, I had like uh, 400,000 kilometers on it, and then we ended up selling it to someone else, so it didn't even die. Okay, what is the strangest job you've ever had? I washed dishes at Kelsey's for a few weeks. It's not that weird, but it was pretty unpleasant. <laughs> I had so many weird jobs. I worked at Sobeys in the a la carte department, so my job was to like skewer the chicken. So I would spend like an hour at the end of every evening putting salt down a dead chicken's butt and then okay. putting it on a skewer. <laughs> and I also cleaned newly constructed homes, which was a terrible job. And then I washed cars for Enterprise Rent-A-Car for like three years. So all of those were terrible. I would not have expected the cleaning of yeah i wasn't very good at it and i did it for like two months and it was such a weird job because they made you sign a thing being like i'm okay with not working overtime and then you worked like 14 hour days it was terrible okay so i quit there as soon as i could yeah i was a fingerprint technician oh yeah that's way good for about eight weeks in the summer of 2012 and it was great (laughs) it was the best weird job (laughs) like just got it on a kijiji ad and then had like my own office and people would come in i'd be like what are you here for i'd fingerprint them and i had like a machine and did ink and roll <laughs> prints it was amazing for who like for glenda bowen shout out to glenda bowen uh, <laughs> uh i can't exactly remember the name of the business but we were like a um like a satellite thing for the RCMP. Okay. So we would process people's applications for like, um, you know, cr- 
criminal record checks or pardons or like adoptions or things like that or immigration. Right. And we'd send them off to the RCMP. What a glorious time, hey? It's a great it's time. Amazing. <laughs> I just dress like Jim from the office every day. <laughs> Is there an album that sparked your love of music? Left and Leaving by the Weaker Thans, okay. for me, I think. One of my favorites growing up. I think I have to go with, my parents had a tape of The Woman in Me by Shania Twain. And that, I was upset. Like, I still, to this day, if I am singing one song, I can sing the next song in, in the correct key. Just like, I have the whole thing memorized. We were listening to it the other day, and I was singing, I know every, like... Every like woo and let's go boys and like all that <laughs> like I was obsessed with it. So that for me, I was like four years old and had a dance routine for every song on that album or tape. Um, so I think that's the one for me. I mean, I'm very I'm very far from Shania Twain, but I love her. Hard to say because like listen to a lot of you know those great great Disney soundtracks as sure. a kid and was really really into Fantasia. But I think. Probably working in modern music was like the Beatles' Rubber or Rubber Soul. That was probably the one where I was like, "Yeah, that's I could get into this in a big way." Is uh, if you could, I guess, pick any artist or band on the planet to open for, who would it be? See, the thing is, I wouldn't want to open for a lot of people because I'd be too, I'd be just, I'd die. But um, I think mine would be Alice and Krauss. If we ever got to open for Alice and Krauss in Union Station, I would. I probably just wouldn't be able to do it. I'd probably just cry. <laughs> Who would yours be, Connor? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Bryn, you go. <laughs> uh, well, since this is a dream scenario, I'm going to set up a dream scenario. We'd be opening for uh, <laughs> Blake Mills with the Metropole Orchestra. Nice. Wow. Okay. Because I think that pairing would be amazing. Yeah, that we mostly are just so planning cool. a show that we'd want to go to. Yeah. 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 And I would gladly play before that and then watch Blake Mills yeah, kill it with the Metropole. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> and to make make him play with the Metropole Orchestra. Yeah. That would be nuts. I think I think I would open for Bryn opening for Blake Mills <laughs> Metropole Orchestra. That would be great. Boo. Real answer. <laughs> the bill's just getting longer yeah, and longer. No. Yeah. What's a real answer? I don't know. <laughs> uh, kind of related, I guess. If you could uh, meet any of your musical idols, would you choose to do so? And I guess also who would that be? I actually have met two of my musical idols, and it was really embarrassing both times. I met Aoife O'Donovan at her show in Toronto. Didn't nail that interaction. And I've met I've met Anais Mitchell, I think, like three times. And every time I meet her, I'm just such an idiot. Uh, so my answer would be no. I do not want to meet them <laughs> unless I'm in a situation where they know. Who, you know, like meeting them as a fan is just mortifying. Because what you want to say is like, I'm a musician and like I know what I'm talking about. But I have people come up to me and say that, and I just it's, I know I know what it feels like to be the person <laughs> on the other being like, yeah, that's great. Um, so yeah, I've I've never I've never come away from one of those interactions feeling good about myself. So I probably wouldn't <laughs> wouldn't want to meet them unless they were like, let's collab. Then I would. 
<laughs> Obviously. I say, what is there to lose? I would meet them. Yeah. Who would I it would be? I would love to. Maybe Taylor Goldsmith from Dawes or even some of the women you just mentioned, Anais Mitchell. Just have a chat. If it doesn't go well, that's fine. <laughs> yeah, I'm in the same boat. Like, I would rather. Like, I actually met Taylor Goldsmith. Yeah, but you guys had like a full-on conversation. No, it was very short because I made sure to limit my word count so I wouldn't (laughs) say anything embarrassing. But he was incredibly sweet and gracious, and yeah, I'd want to get get tacos with like Blake Mills or something. I think that would be nice. I think you or Julian Lange because both of them seem like like insanely talented, uh, insanely hardworking, but have like a lot of wisdom. And, like, I think it would be really great to have a, even a short interaction with either one of those people. For sure. Uh, coffee or tea? Coffee. 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 I should drink tea more often. I was saying the other day, I have a lot of friends who are, like, classical vocalists, and they treat their voices like Cadillacs. And I said <laughs> I treat my voice like a Ford Fiesta. <laughs> but, like, I still take care of it, but... I mean, Katie Lang doesn't drink coffee, and I don't sacrifice that much. But I don't play as much as Katie Lang, so it's fine. For now. Yeah, it's all in agreement. Exactly. Uh, never quite sure the response this is going to get. Uh, still trying to perfect this question in some ways, but sports or video games? Or alternatively, board games, maybe? Mm. Probably pick board games out of all of those. I'm really intense about board games. Some might say too intense. Like... My husband might see. <laughs> Board games are bad. But I'm like literally, after this, we have the night off and I'm going to go home and hang out with my family. We're probably going to play board games all night and I'm so excited. <laughs> so excited. Yeah, probably board games. We're a wild probably bunch. board games and then playing sports and then playing video games and then watching sports. There we go. That's and then the watching video games. Yes, which is also fun sometimes. <laughs> I don't know if you've watched anyone play the new Red Dead Redemption, but it is very fun to watch <laughs> i've noticed that whenever i play video games i just my favorite video games are just things that are my life so like when we had an xbox i just played karaoke which is my job <laughs> and when i play sims all my sims become musicians <laughs> so i don't know how to have fun basically is there a favorite board game at all oh i really enjoy playing chess Okay. Um, which I think technically they call that a sport as well. So <laughs> you're pretty athletic. <laughs> it's a stretch. <laughs> uh, okay. So we're pretty cool. When we were in Montreal, uh, the friends that we were staying with had Hogwarts Battle, which I don't know if you've played it, but it is the best. So then when we were in Montreal one night, I got really drunk and we played the whole every night that we'd been there. We'd played Hogwarts Battle, and I was like, we need this. So I bought it on Amazon Prime, and I had it shipped to my parents' place where we were going the next day, and it arrived before we did, and then we played it like the whole week with my family. (laughs) So that's my favorite, and it's the best. It's a deck-building game. Okay. Mm -hmm. And it's like a collaborative effort, so you can't even like get mad at each other or get competitive, (laughs) which is the best. Yeah. Yeah, it's, I would definitely go Harry Potter Hogwarts battle yeah we're coming away like, from this real it's hardcore. crazy because it, it comes it, it's like you play through the seven years and yeah. yeah you're like all you're the characters and you play against the game together it's amazing right? and it gets harder and introduces more game mechanics as it goes so it's perfect yeah it's amazing okay. so there's like seven different we're just like they should give us some commission there's like seven different <laughs> games and by the seventh game you have like horcruxes that you have to defeat and like 
Like, there's, yeah, it's insane. Mm. It's great. I haven't even played through the whole thing. He hasn't. I think I've only gotten to year five. And it's still it's your still favorite. still my favorite game. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows what six and seven oh, are going to be like. We're going to play some when we get back. Yeah. The thing, I think it's important that you never play it, though. Just hold that in your imagination. Yes. They must be so good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Always be perfect. Yeah. Uh, what is the best movie you've seen recently? Yeah, the only movie I've seen in the last, like, three months is Incredibles 2. Oh, and it was great. <laughs> um, well, it doesn't have to be a new movie, right? It's just, like, what we've seen yeah, recently. You've seen. I love watching movies. I just rewatched Lady Bird with oh. my brother and my mom, and that's a great movie. And it made us all very sad. I like movies that make me quite sad. I loved uh, Arrival. Or not Arrival, uh, Annihilation. The oh, other. Yeah. Okay. Those are both, actually, yeah, Arrival's some of my favorite too. movies that I've seen in a while. But Annihilation was, like, another level. Cool. Uh, is there a, a TV show that you have watched all of and deeply regretted spending that time doing so? Oh, yeah. Suits. <laughs> but you love it. <laughs> it gets worse and worse and worse, but you're already in it, and so you keep going, and it gets worse, and you keep going, and it gets worse. And then I watched it again. <laughs> bad. This is like a really hard to choose. Like, a, like I watch so many bad TV shows. I watched. Uh, I don't remember what it's called. I mean, I still like it. I made my sister watch it with me again. <laughs> it's about like an Australian ballerina who's like 15. And it's definitely not meant for adults. And I loved it. And then I watched, they made a movie of it, and I like freaked out, and I stayed up till three in the morning when I should have been sleeping to watch it. It's great. <laughs> I have a very low tolerance for bad television. Yeah, Brent's a grown-up. Well, no, I just, I, I can't do it. I don't know. Uh, I guess the last thing that I watched all of, like, obsessively was, like, the good place oh so good that was yeah, really that was good. pretty great but i think that the actual impressive one is the x-files i watched yeah. all of the x-files while i was in high school and love it to pieces do you still. remember the summer that i Dana uh, scully forever <laughs> remember the summer <laughs> there was a summer when Bryn and i were living together and Bryn had left and i ruined his netflix suggestions for like two years because i watched all of vampire diaries yes <laughs> oh, and for it years took... it was like artsy movie artsy documentary and then like vampire kisses <laughs> was like the third recommendation yeah. i'm so sorry oh it was well it was that's another guess, one that i regret watching yeah we're definitely <laughs> dating ourselves here but it, yeah it was before profiles right right so it's just so there wasn't even an option nope i had it was to watch just, it I would look at it and go, push through this stuff, find (laughs) something. Uh, Is there a uh, band or artist that you've uh, been told you would love to listen to, just haven't got there yet? Who? I feel like I try to listen to people. Um, I get a lot of like, uh, like female singer songwriters from the '60s that I haven't spent enough time with. Um. Like, uh, Edie Brickell is someone that people tell me I should listen to. And I, I only know that one really famous song by her. Someone recently said we should check out David Ramirez. Oh, and yes, I, that I've was a big one. I've never listened to that yet. But yeah, that was literally two days ago. That's the problem. Haven't got around to it. <laughs> yeah. It's, you know, a solid 48 hours ago. <laughs> I have no idea. Yeah, I, have I no just, answer to that question. I either I remember fairly, and I listen or I forget and I don't. Yeah, I tend to be fairly obsessive about 
what I listen to and just I just follow whatever my intuition tells me tend not to deviate too much from that okay well last question uh are there uh kind of like local recommendations of bands that are kind of working in toronto that you guys really like that you'd want to throw a little spotlight on yeah there's lots there's a group called the au pairs Mm -hmm. who are a trio of, of singers and they're just gorgeous really great music yeah we're doing a show with the barrel boys in a couple days a great band name (laughs) they're amazing they're like this really great bluegrass band and they're also talented and um i know i mean i i really like female singer songwriters i tend to gravitate more towards listening to them so like there's a whole host of amazing toronto friends that i have like uh claire coopland and belinda corpus and claire hunter i know a lot of claire's and jillian nicola and uh, Lindsay foote there's so many like really really great uh, oh, and who else? Charlotte Cornfield is amazing. Um, Sarah Jane Scouten, mm-hmm. Rachel Cardiello. I was going to say that Rachel Cardiello is relaunching her music thing as a new project called Zinnia. Yeah. Yeah, Zinnia. And it's going to be amazing. It's going to be so rad. They've got a new album that she's been sitting on for a little bit here. It sounds incredible. I've just heard little snippets. Yeah. Oh. I'm not just saying that because Connor <laughs> happens to be the bass player in Zinnia, <laughs> but it's going to be awesome, and you should keep keep your eye out for Zinnia. Oh, there's so many. Emily Rockarts in Montreal and Genevieve Versette in Montreal. I feel like there are so many, like, really, really great, uh, like, musicians in Canada, and it's very it's a very exciting time to get to, like, meet and interact and be inspired by all these amazing musicians and the independent music scene is is really really amazing so i'm hoping we can all stick it out long enough (laughs) yeah it's been it's been neat getting to do the interviews and stuff just because a lot of it i think there's a sense of things about to kind of take off in a way which is it's Mm -hmm. feel that way i think that's the hope (laughs) (laughs) i feel like that's the the like carrot in front of all of our faces of like if we just stick this out a little bit longer I ignore that feeling passionately. <laughs> I hate that feeling, and I would prefer to just enjoy my current successes, I guess. I don't know if that's, like, kind of a lame opinion, but I don't... I've never been a, you know, it's gonna break. It's gonna <laughs> break. I, I can't deal with that feeling, so I'm just yeah. like, no, it's breaking right now. This well, is the break. I'm, I'm yeah. surfing. I think I think especially when you do things independently, it's very important. Like we spend a lot of time talking about what we want and what success would look like, and and for me, it's kind of um, there's a moment when I realized like I have to be okay with the possibility that this might be where my career kind of plateaus, and so I spend a lot of time being like, if this is as good as it's gonna get, do I still want to do this for like another five to ten years? And my answer still is yes. So. Anything extra that comes is amazing. It's like gravy, and that would be so fantastic. But I get to play music with like my two best friends, and I have all this creative license, and nobody has to tell me what to do. And and I'm making a living in Toronto between music and teaching, and and I feel very very lucky. So excellent. Well, that's as good a place as any, I think, to wrap things up. We usually uh, play like a track at the end of the show. Let's do long distance. Long distance is a good mm-hmm. time. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, I guess anything to say about the tune at all? 
Uh, I wrote it because when Connor and I were doing a long-distance relationship, I would cry all the time at the airport, and he would not. <laughs> and it made me very angry, and I held on to that resentment for years. And then I wrote a song about it. Yeah, and now it's art. And now it's <laughs> art, and it yeah. will live forever. We turn resentment into art. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I still remember Danielle uh, playing us this song, and the, the, one of the lines in the chorus is like, I'm not stupid, I'm not needy. And I was like, I'm so glad that that's in a song now. <laughs> I know that feeling. And I was just, like, from that moment, I was like, I'm so excited to work on this thing and make it. Make it art. <laughs> I don't know. Make it a recording <laughs> so we can yeah. play it over and over and over. Yeah. Excellent. Well, cool. Uh, thank you guys so much for uh, coming in, taking thank the time you. out of your day. Uh, we'll see you around. All right. <laughs> see ya. With my hair undone and my too short dress, I am fraying at the edges, a disintegrating mess as the scent of disinfectant from the airport restroom drifts to where we stand. And with your bags packed up and your eyes downcast My tongue is heavy with the question that I'm too afraid to ask So I'll keep tripping over sentences and sipping from the coffee in my hand Anything to draw attention from the fact that I can't watch you walk away again And I guess you've got to leave me I'm not stupid, I'm not needy Do you have to make it look so easy? Look so easy With my throat closed tight And my eyes rimmed red My mouth is full of cotton Robbing in my head is worsened by the stubborn squeak. Your suitcase wheel repeats with every step. The telltale harbingers of heartache as I watch you walk away again. And I get you've got to leave me. I'm not stupid. I'm not needy. To make it look so easy, look so Take your place in line 
I'll hold tight to your promises I'll wait on you to call me when you land And three months down the road I'll watch you walk my way again You're way deep down and low I'll watch you walk my way again This episode of Inside the Art Studio was produced by Sean Newton. The feature track was played with permission from Danielle Knibby. Undercurrents from Atlantis Jazz Ensemble's album Oceanic Suite is the background music throughout the entire episode. Oceanic Suite is available through Ottawa's Marlowe Records. Find out more at marlowrecords.com. Inside the Art Studio is one of many ways the Cups and Cakes Network highlights Canadian music. Visit our website, cupsandcakespod.com, to browse our audio, video, and written content. That's cups, the letter N, cakespod.com. Thanks for listening.